Hey everyone, I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, well, today I'm going to be talking with BJ about a mental health issue that we have discussed in the Selfie Podcast community, which is this, how do you avoid burnout when you're passionate about a profession that is high for burnout, which Rue, I feel like is, is an interesting topic for you and I as well, because I'm a therapist, you are working in a field that is really high stress. Yeah, I mean, I'm at this point, so I've, uh, I quietly, um, I guess almost a year ago now, no, not quite, but last year, the end of last year, I quietly launched a nonprofit that combats and raises awareness about the online sex abuse and exploitation of children, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which, of course, is um, a part of the world that is, you know, scary and awful. So, yeah, there's definitely a high burnout and um, I think it's at least 20% of the reason why I grind my teeth at night. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but then, but then you're, then yours too. And, and you love being a therapist. So, so then what? I'm really curious to see what BJ has to say about that. Yeah. Well, I know you just went public with your organization and we haven't talked about it on the podcast since you did. Do you want to talk a little bit about it and tell people where sure. to find more info? Sure. So the the nonprofit is called SOSA, which stands for Safe from Online Sex Abuse, and the website is sosatogether.org. And we work in a number of ways, including identifying pockets of the internet where perpetrators are. And these are people who are, you know, looking to abuse minors or create child sex abuse material, otherwise known as child pornography, um, and even participate in, you know, human trafficking, right? Any sort of abuse or exploitation. And so we help law enforcement with that. Um, And then we also, this part can be a little convoluted, but there are technology platforms that use artificial intelligence in order to find signs of grooming, but not just grooming of, you know, grooming for sex, but also grooming for terrorism, right? Just all these things that um, people kind of are on alert for online, whether it's, you know, a terrorist group, whether that's local or international or whatever. And so we also help artificial intelligence we help train those models to identify signs of grooming and child abuse online. Mm. Wow. Um, and then we're also, you know, raising awareness and education. And I can't officially lobby because I'm a nonprofit, but I can say that I want to raise the age of consent in every state from, you know, some are as low as 16 to 18. Um, and, you know, just from being a therapist and having teens yourself – there is a developmental difference between 16 and 18. Huge difference. I mean, think about it. The only way that I can explain it is look at the difference between a two-year-old and a four-year-old or a six-year-old uh, and an eight-year-old. Um, 
So I would like to do that as well. Mm-hmm. And then we also, you know, do education with kids. Um, last week, it was, it was really sweet, actually. Uh, a woman reached out because her daughters had gone over a friend's house and they ended up coming across this video chat of this man talking to their friend and he, you know, exposed himself and they didn't know what was going on, but they knew it was wrong. Uh Um, So they went home and they told mom and she's like, I really don't know how to talk to them about this. And so, although, you know, I do not make any claims to be a therapist, I can explain how things work on the internet. So Mm -hmm. I did a Zoom call with these two tweens um, and they were very sweet and afterwards, and, you know, everything that we do is very much empathy-led and zero Uh victim blaming. And afterwards, the mom said, thank you so much. They felt safe enough to continue to talk to me about it, which is all we ask for, right? Um, So anyway, yes, it's sosatogether.org and I am, it means a lot to me. And if you um, would like to follow us, we're on social and we're not doing much on social yet because we have a skeleton crew, but we're doing our best. It's really exciting, Rue. It's, it's just been cool to be, you know, to feel like I have a little, a little seat or a little window into your journey, just, you know, back what, almost 10 years ago when you and I went to Thailand, where we were looking at, you know, the sex trade and the minor sex trade in Thailand, and just to see you just really develop a passion and a skill set in in combating this, just I'm I'm very proud. Not Thank that I have you. a right to be proud of you. No, but. <laughs> no, you, no. I I will I will I will take it. Yeah. yeah, it's um, and it's also one of the reasons why I feel really good about having a separate office space now because I don't want to do any of that work. Gosh, this, right. under the same roof where my kids are, and yeah. so yeah, so it's it feels good. There are some companies that you know understand. I mean, hopefully, every platform will start becoming like we. There are, so for example, you know, any dating app, right? Like they have an alert to say really awful harassment online. And so the hope is that all of these social media companies will take grooming and child sex abuse very seriously and enough to, you know, be able to identify bad actors online. Um, and you that's know, the hope. That's yeah. the hope. I mean, it feels like they should because here's the thing. I mean, I know that they have a way to verify the age of the people, right? And and they're not going to, it's not always going to be perfect, but they really currently do nothing. You know, all my kids were on all of the platforms before age 13 because all their friends were, you mm-hmm. know, so they say the age of entry is 13, but we all know there's 10, 11, 12 year olds on all right. these platforms. And then there are programs that have algorithms, you know, I mean, I use one of them, I use Bark, we know that there are ways to be alerted. But it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that they're doing enough. And I know you feel the same way, like the the platforms themselves are not doing enough in terms of looking at this and flagging and making sure... Right. And monitoring apps can only go so far, especially if like there are limitations with iPhone for any monitoring yeah. app, really. Yeah. Um, and that part is, is, is frustrating. Um, and it's frustrating that, I mean, here, some of the really egregious ones, like, for example, chat roulette or mm-hmm. Omegle. Uh-huh. Omegle, there's so much privacy there. You can click on Omegle and some person can be, you know, engaging in sexually abusive behavior and there's no way to track them. There's no nope. username. Uh-huh. There's no, there's no email address. There's no, it's there's, like 4chan. It's just completely anonymous. Yeah. There, there's, yeah, there's no friend requesting. And so, uh-huh. um, it's, you know, I've certainly seen some r- bad actors on Omegle as well as some of these other rando chats. And, um, 
I don't know, man. It is, it is tough. Do you know what's weird? And tell me if this is crazy. Maybe I should save this for a call with my therapist. I don't even want to keep pictures of kid, my kids in my office. Uh uh-uh. uh. Because it. it just feels like the I cursed totally stuff has to stay cursed. Yep. And I have stuff in my office that I like. I have plants. Yeah. I have my little, you know, like my worry stone collection and a mug that I like. But I don't want a picture of my kids nope. at my office. No. I mean, I'll tell you, even as a therapist, I've never kept photos of my kids in my office. Really? Just, no. No. Well, first of all, it's not really – I mean, would you want to see a family photo of your therapist in their office? You know, I mean, no. from a client perspective, it's a little bit strange. But but same thing. I just want that to be separate. And one of the things – it's funny. I remember a, a um, professor telling me when I was in grad school – like when you've had a really hard client or for you, a really hard day, like one thing he would do was before he would leave his office, he would stand at the door and like with his body, motion the air out of the room. Like he was cleansing the room of the energy. <laughs> no, I, I, I get it. I get it. Um, and I think it's like something r- ritualistic about like burning sage or uh-huh. I will, I will light a candle or, um, I keep all of the devices I use separate because totally. these are <laughs> these are the cursed phones. Yep. And this is my regular phone that I use every day. And this is the cursed whatever. Like it's cursed versus not cursed, which maybe I need to stop calling it cursed. But you know what I mean? Well, you got to do what you got to do. And if that word feels right and it, you know what I mean and it makes you – I don't know. I think I think language is helpful too sometimes to just yeah. differentiate in, in your own mind. So I – I get it. And I'm really glad you have an office where you're doing this. <gasps> Me too. And you're not Me doing too. this at home. I'm so glad. Yeah. I, I think it's absolutely worth the rent money because yeah. – Sanity yeah. money. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know how to call it I mean, separation of church and state or whatever, you yeah. know. Um, but I think that's <laughs> – I think that's important. But outside of that, um, how are you doing? You've been – you've been – you've had a lot going on. Yeah, well, I talked a few episodes ago about how I was prepping for a colonoscopy. Um, it was my first. Um, and, you know, it's so funny because I can remember Katie Couric, like, filming her colonoscopy and talking about it all the time <laughs> and just being, like, mortified, like, why does she, you know, maybe something should be private. But, you know, I mean, this was in my, like, you know, 30s, like, gosh, why does she keep talking about it? But here I am, like, talking about the colonoscopy and wanting to tell everyone to go get theirs. Because, you know, they've really now recommended that you start at age 45. Ooh, okay. Now, here's the thing about a colonoscopy. Cancer in your colon grows really slowly. So it is a very treatable and and preventable cancer if you do the colonoscopy. But there's really no symptoms. So there's no other way to find out. So I was having some gastrointestinal symptoms, which is why I got a colonoscopy at 47 instead of a 50. Because while doctors are recommending 45, insurance panels are saying, well, we're not going to pay for it till you're 50. Uh. So my recommendation is to have some symptoms that warrant, you know, just tell your doctor, like, I'm having symptoms. Um, but anyway, I'm here to report that I had three polyps in my colon. Whoa. Yeah. And they, they removed them during the colonoscopy? They removed or? them during the colonoscopy. So here's the thing. They were not cancerous, but mm. they could grow into cancer. And mm. so that's the thing. That's why it's so important. It's like, get in there, get them removed, you know, and then you you don't have to worry about it. But point being, if I hadn't gotten mine at 47, if I'd waited till 50, 
Maybe right. they would have been precancerous. Holy Maybe they cow. would have been cancerous. My mom had colon cancer. And so she, when she was premenopausal, when she had cervical and ovarian cancer, and, you know, then in her 60s, she went for her colonoscopy and she had polyps and they were cancerous. Um, and so it was this whole thing that she had to, you know, whatever, go through treatment. And, um, uh, a friend that's also in the in the blogging space. I don't want to say her name unless. Well, I guess I could. Her her name's Lindsay, and she you know was has been public about it. She had rectal cancer, and she kept going to the doctor, and they kept saying, "Oh, maybe you just have whatever." Like they kept excusing it until finally someone sent her because she's in her early. She was in her early thirties, yeah, and she had to really fight for it. And it was like. Oh, you have rectal cancer. Mm -hmm. And then she had to do the whole, um, what do you call it? The little ostomy. What's it called? Yeah. The the little bag. bag. She had to have the bag and she had to go through all this treatment. And, um, you know, and thankfully she was advocating for herself. But gosh, if just the first doctor had listened. Yeah. So, so I know that the average age is 50, but because I have, I don't want to say thankfully, sorry, mom, but because I have uh, colon cancer in my family history, I, I have to go, I have to start going at 40, uh, um, which, yeah, which I thought was an entire decade prior. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. I'm so glad you went. I am too. And it's funny because m- my previous doctor said I didn't need one. So I, I had a doctor a year ago tell me I didn't need one. Um, and then I found a new doctor and he was like, yeah, we'll do it. Let's do it. So holy cow, very interesting. And so now because I've had polyps, I have to go back in three years. The good news is if you're clear, which most people are, um, you don't have to go back for another 10 years because it is really slow growing. Mm. But it is so similar to the mammogram, right? Because if you just do if you do it, you can catch it. Right. Um, And, you know, and now I don't have to do anything for another three years. Was it? um I just have questions and maybe this will be good for the listeners who maybe have the same questions and are are feeling uh, ambivalent. Did you have to drink some gross contrast? Did any of it hurt? Was it uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Yes. Good questions. Okay. So the most uncomfortable part of the entire procedure is that the day before you have to fast, you can't have anything but clear liquids. So I was sipping bone broth and lemonade the entire day. Um, And then you have to, yes, you do have to drink like a laxative. It's not contrast. But it is a laxative, um, and you will be pooping your brains out. So everything comes out. Um, now, my recommendation for people who want to do it, because some people start like the night before, I would start the day before. You can't eat anything anyway, right? So you're not eating. So clear your system out so that you can sleep that night. Oh, right. Because otherwise, you're just running right. out of the bathroom. Like you, you just need to know that within three to four hours of drinking the stuff, you're going to be on the toilet for about two hours back and forth. Um, and then you have to drink it again. And then you're on the toilet again for about two no. hours. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. I mean, I didn't, I actually wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I was hungry. You know, you have to take that day off. So it's, it's right. a two day procedure because you're going to need, need, need to be near the toilet. The procedure mm-hmm. itself, not painful at all. You're asleep. You're, it's so fast. You wake up super fast. And then the minute you wake up, they tell you everything. And the treatment is the procedure. So if they find anything, they treat it while they're in there and you're done. So it's not like, yeah, that's the thing too, is that they took the polyps out 
while right you were already there. had, and you didn't have to do another one, which is no, great. No, it's really, it's great. Yeah. And I, he had I will a just report and yeah. I will just assume uh, drinking the laxative, it's, it's like, it's like anytime you've gone through a Taco Bell drive through and you've gotten a couple, you know, Supreme Gorditas or whatever with the extra hot sauce <laughs> and you were just, you know, violently whatever for a couple hours. Just, it's kind of like that. It's not, you're not like curled up in pain. No. And I thought I would be because I already have intestinal issues, right? I mean, I have IBS and so my bowels are angry all the time. I mean, in a way it kind of felt like a normal Tuesday, you know, <laughs> like, I was like, okay, oh, I have diarrhea, weird. Um, but I, I think the key is you want to be heavy on the electrolytes um, make sure you're not dehydrated. I drank so much water, so mm. much bone broth. Um, so I think that's key is just making sure that you have a lot of stuff to kind of beef up everything that you're losing. Side note, I somehow ended up on IBS TikTok and it's just people who joke about their IBS. How am I not on that? So funny. I'm going to start sending you. You need to. The ones I don't know how it, I'm not on that. It like, it's, it's incredibly funny. And then you see all the comments and I didn't realize how <laughs> common IBS is. It's, it's so like all common. these, all these kids are like, IBS gang, where are you at? <laughs> well, I'm in a Facebook group and it is hysterical. I mean, you just, you have to laugh. Like it is so funny. Like somebody will be like, how many times have you shit outside? And then like people are just <laughs> answering. It's so freaking funny. You have to laugh about it, you know? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Uh, okay, the next time I find one, I will text it to you. Well, and what's funny is my IBS has actually been quite a bit improved since the colonoscopy, but I think it's because I was stressed about the colonoscopy. Mm. And now I'm like, I, you know, and now I'm like, I don't have cancer. Like, I don't, like, I don't have to think every time my stomach starts to hurt. Oh, I think I have cancer. Like, no, confirmed. I don't have cancer. Right, right. No, that's great. I feel like that peace of mind is worth a lot too, especially after coming off almost a year and a half yeah. of us being like paranoid and worried and stressed about uh-huh. he- like health in general. Totally. So for you, just kind of removing that stress, I think is worth a lot. Oh, it's huge. I, I will say being vaccinated and and having ruled out. So I had the colonoscopy and I also had an endo- endoscope. So go- they went down my throat and looked at my stomach and and having ruled out because of the IBS, you know, I mean, I have stomach symptoms I was having them daily and I was really freaked out about stomach cancer and colon cancer and just having that ruled out and having my vaccine. I just feel like the weight this lifted off me in terms of my health is really nice. Yeah. And then, and then your kids are vaccinated. Yes. And the difference also that I recognize and I was telling my friend, the difference between this year, this now and this time last year is I am not constantly thinking about whatever the president's doing mm-hmm. that's like one other one other bonus and oh so it's gosh, like right if it just if, if for you it's like wrapping up physical health and mental health yes. in one it's very nice um what do you have for two thumbs up for the week okay my first one is something i'm so excited about that i'm going to sound like a salesperson Hit no me. one is paying me for this <laughs> <laughs> this is not sponsored my very favorite designer is Justina Blakely. 
And she has a brand called Jungalo and it's expensive. It's, it's spendy and it's very, I think you would like it too. It's very maximalist. It's very lots of plants, lots of patterns, lots of colors. Oh yeah. Lots of prints. Um, it's, it's more is more design. I followed her forever. Truly, she's one of my favorite designers. I have a few of her wallpapers in my house. She is doing a collab at Target. <gasps> and you know when that happens, so designers will collaborate with Target, and all of a sudden, designer stuff is at Target prices. Right. So right. I, and then and then you have to go fast. Uh, you have to go fast. I literally have almost every product <gasps> in my Target cart right now, and I'm like negotiating with myself how much I'm getting because <laughs> so it's what- so cheap. Hold on. Is it on Target right now? Yes. And, and oh, it's her, with Opal House. It's with too. Opal House. So there are adorable shower curtains, um, tons of bedding. The the bedding is to me, it's like that's the oh, jam. Oh, it's beautiful. It's so pretty. Um, rugs, lamps, artwork, really, really cool artwork. And the artwork is like 45, 50 bucks for like, you know, 26 by 30 pieces. I mean, yeah, that's it's just really nice. if you know her stuff, it's such a bargain. So yeah, I'm buying all the artwork. I'm buying all new comforters for our house. Um, I'm buying the shower curtains. I don't even need them. I'm just going to keep them for like when our shower curtains die. Now I'll have pretty jungle ones. Yeah, even the throw pillars are so pretty. And oh, look at the table lamps. Yes, it's super these, cute. These are nice. And you know what I like about art at Target. And people, I think, especially art collectors, might have the tendency to uh, look down on like Ikea art or Target art um, because it, it's it's cheaper and it's mass produced. But here's the thing. This is a way to make pretty things and art accessible to a lot more people. And so I, I love that about this because, you know, it seems like maybe it's more like that your average family can own a really pretty art piece yes. without having to fork over a huge investment. This is why I, I think collaborations at Target or Walmart or where, you know, what have you are, are great for everyone in general. It just feels more inclusive. Well, and one thing I love about this designer herself, Justina, I mean, her dad is Black and Native American. Her mom is Eastern European Jewish. And so I just feel like she's a designer that has always had this real like eye for kind of bringing together cultural aesthetics. Mm. Um, And, you know, she's a female designer of color. So I'm like, okay, I will, you know, take all my money. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This waller is so pretty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, that was my first. And then my second thing I have is, so I got this new new lamp. And it's called the Alay lamp. And it is green light. And so s- supposedly, and, and this is backed by science, so I shouldn't be saying supposedly. But um, after a lot of migraine research, this Harvard professor discovered that there's this like narrow band of green light, a specific band of green light that creates electrical signals in the brain that calm your brain and chill your migraines out. It's a lamp. It's like it's a lamp. And it just like, it emits this weird green light. Like it's it's such an it's an interesting color. Okay. It is like a really beautiful upscale lava lamp slash yes. Ninja Turtle Secret of the Ooze Ooze cartridge. Yes, it looks, it is the color of like neon green slime. I mean, this is not a lamp. It's not a decorative lamp, right? But I just sit it on my desk and 
it's it's kind of fun because it flips and you flip it to one side and it does the green and then you can actually flip it upside down and it'll just be like a white lamp. But and so when I just am feeling stressed or if I'm getting a migraine, I will just sit it on my desk and it doesn't have to be right in front of your eyes. And then the light just calms your brain down. Have you found that it helps? I don't know. I think, I think so. I mean, I believe the research, you know, now maybe it's a placebo, but I don't know. (laughs) I'll pay for a placebo. Right? (laughs) Like the ritual of just turning it on and like, you know, putting the lamp on and saying to myself, like, I'm going to calm my brain down. And so I have it just sitting, it's just a little bit in front of my monitor. So it's just in my line of sight. Oh, Um, I think that it's, the fact that it's peer-reviewed science. That's the thing. It is. It's a Harvard professor. It's not like, you know, some uh, – I'm sorry. I was about to be insulting. but Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down. Um, <laughs> it's a scientist. Right, right. Yes. Cool. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to keep using it, and I will let you know. Um, what do you have today? Okay. So, I have been – Devoted to uh, super goop sunscreen. I do like it, but it does get spendy, especially yeah. I like I like a serum um, just because I feel like it feels nice going in. Oh, yeah. So I found online because I sometimes, you know, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just want to sit in bed and browse the internet for things I don't need. And I found that Neutrogena, Neutrogena has a new line, and it has a face serum with an SPF of 60. And I have been religiously putting sunscreen on my face every morning because I, you know, have um, a skin tone that's, you know, prone to hyperpigmentation. Mm-hmm. So I'm putting it on constantly. I keep sunscreen at home. I keep sunscreen at work. If I go for a walk, I'll put sunscreen on first. And so it's mu- it's just so much cheaper than the Supergoop, even though I very much Dude, love the, the Supergoop. This is $14.99. Yeah. And the it's Supergoop so cheap. Is, right, 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 right. So I uh, have to, I really like, I, I'm doing, I do a high-low combo when it comes to a lot of things. Yes. Um, especially skincare. And if I can go cheaper on sunscreen, then I can, you know, yes. then more money can be saved on whatever retinol, I guess, or m- spent on retinol. So um, it's really nice. The texture is really nice. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's SPF 60. And it says non-greasy. Right, right. I'm literally ordering it right now. And I just want to let people know that if you do subscribe and save, it takes it down to $12.74. Oh, that's very nice. So I'm signing myself up to get this every six months. Okay, speaking of subscribe and save, this is um, – so my next two thumbs up is – we've had her on the show. It's Kendra Dachi. Am I pronouncing her name right? Oh, yes. Lazy, the Lazy Genius. <laughs> yes. And so I ended up picking up that book after – you mentioned it, and then we had her on the show. Yes. And I ended up getting the audiobook version because I have a little bit of a commute. And so I've been listening it onto my commu- on my commute, and I've been listening, it, listening to it during walks. And I decided that I would start implementing some of it, yeah. including – Including, like, only make a decision once. Like, yes. you're doing right now. Now you have the sunscreen auto-shipping to your house. And you yes. don't have to think about it anymore. Um, so there have been a few things. Uh, some things that she's been saying that I really like. And she seems like a very relatable mother. Um, and so a couple other things, too. Like, she's inspiring me to get rid of clutter, but not go balls to the wall and destroy an entire room at a time. I'll just do this drawer or this desk and you are much more organized than i am so um 
I know you've got like, she said something that I realized I can't do in my house. And I know you can do in yours. Every item should be like a fork. If you see a fork misplaced, you know where the fork goes. Mm -hmm. Can you do that with everything in your house? I cannot, which means we have too much crap. I know you can. I know you've got like a special drawer that's organized and you've got, I don't know, ketchup packets on one side and the kitchen scissors on the other side. I'm trying to get on your level. She uh, makes it seem a little bit easier. So I I appreciate this audiobook for sure. Although I'll tell you, I thought I was doing well on the organization, but then Claire, who used to do beauty stuff for our podcast, um, who, by the way, people have asked, where is Claire? Claire is just overwhelmed. You know, that's just life right now. Yeah, I mean, sure. <laughs> but she is still very much on her Facebook group, but she was over yesterday and she went in my pantry and she was like, okay, we've slidden, we've slidden a little bit. <laughs> Cause you know, she like helped me organize it from the beginning. Oh my God. So she was, she was, um, she was criticizing my organization in a very lighthearted, joking way. I don't want to throw my family under the bus here. But I am not the hoarder in this house and by any means. And so it's difficult when you're tr- constantly trying to get rid of other people's crap. It's like, hey, uh, daughter, I haven't seen you use this in, mm-hmm. I don't know, eight months. I don't think you need it anymore. Oh, it's so sentimental to me. So take a photo of it, babe. Yep. <laughs> you know, like, yep. And I will, thankfully, they don't listen to this podcast, so it doesn't matter. But I will wait until everyone's out of the house and I will sneak stuff that I know they're sure. not going to miss for, sure. to, for the giveaway pile. Um, but I did screw up. So there was this one thing, my youngest, she's nine. She uh, had this like ceramic, I don't know, some weird, it was like a tchotchke. It was just a, and it was a huge tchotchke taking up so much space. And so she's been doing this thing where she wants to collect every seltzer can and beer can in the house. No, because no, she no. knows, she knows that each one is worth five cents, right? Okay. Um, if she okay. goes to, if she goes to Costco, she'll take them and go and then she gets a little pocket change. She's very excited about this. Well, she went dumpster diving in my recycling bin. Oh my gosh. And she comes back inside the house. She goes, Mom, why is my whatever ceramic tchotchke in the recycling bin did you do this on purpose and i like just stare i couldn't i didn't know what to say like she's she's like messy haired and like she smells like beer and she's totally and i'm like shit Uh, so anyway um something to be mindful of but kendra adachi really appreciate her i think on instagram she does a lot of uh conversation about just some tactics she uses and even her uh followers also have some fun things that they chime in on so i've been enjoying great on instagram like yeah so useful practical information like life hacks yes yes and there are uh, there are small things and for me there if if a small thing can be life-changing in some way i'm so excited about it my small thing is I was working with a nutritionist who suggested that I move from half and half to fat-free half and half because of, you know, the I was trying to up my protein. And so I found ha- fat-free half and half and I thought, oh, God, this is going to taste terrible. It tastes exactly the same. It's fine. Oh, and so yeah. I've made a healthier choice and it's been at such a low cost. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is great. I'm trying to find more half and half changes in my life so Kendra I think is helping with that if you've been on the fence go back and listen to to the uh, interview that she did with Kristen and then um, I think you'll I think you'll be sold completely agree all right we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors and we'll be back with BJ talking about how to avoid burnout when you're in a profession that has a lot of burnout potential 
And now a quick sponsor break. Most of us could use more energy in our day, but caffeine can only do so much. And some of us like myself don't even do caffeine. At some point we have to look at the root causes of our fatigue. It turns out there are two main factors in low energy. Those are chronic stress and a lack of nutrition. Stress and nutritional deficits can lead to low energy, bad mood, and all kinds of long-term issues. Organifi creates delicious superfood blends that address both of these problems. They use adaptogenic herbs to help balance cortisol levels associated with stress and make it easier to add more nutrients into your day. You simply add a scoop into water or a plant-based milk of your choice, and you can have a natural boost any time of the day. It's full of carefully picked adaptogens, fruits, vegetables, medicinal mushrooms, and more. Now this word adaptogens, you might be wondering what that means. These are herbs and mushrooms that literally help you adapt to the stress in your life. They balance hormones, they promote a state of calmness, and help you get back to that baseline faster than usual. Organifi specializes in creating delicious superfood blends powered by these. If you're looking for an easy way to support your amazing body, I highly recommend trying Organifi. You can check out the products in the Organifi shop at Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-N-I-F i.com go to organifi.com and use the code selfie for 15 percent off any item in the store again code selfie at organifi.com for 15 percent off anything in the store Well, today's sponsor is a longtime favorite brand of mine. Thrive Cosmetics is a clean beauty brand with skin-loving ingredients that not only highlight your best features, they actually improve your skin over time. Their clinically proven formulas are made without parabens, sulfates, and phthalates, and they're never tested on animals. In fact, they're Leaping Bunny and PETA certified and 100% vegan and cruelty-free. Thrive Cosmetics has a great mission that's really bigger than beauty. For every product purchase, Thrive donates to help women thrive. Some of their causes include helping women emerge from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, and fighting cancer. We know the selfie community is big on female empowerment and community care, which is why this company felt like such a great fit. In addition to their great mission, let's talk about their products. I've been using their Liquid Lash Extension Mascara for a while now. It's their best seller and it's the winner of Allure's Best of Beauty Award. It makes your lashes look so long without feeling flaky or clumpy. I'm big on clean products for my eyes and I also love their Brilliant Eye Brightener, which is a cream to powder highlighter. I like to use their Muna Shade to give myself an instant smoky eye. And I get asked about it all the time. They also have lighter shades that brighten your eyes and make you look better rested. And I'm also a fan of their intensive lip balm with SPF 24. I particularly love the fresh mint flavor. We love everything about Thrive Cosmetics, from the quality of their makeup, to the clean formulations, to their bigger than beauty mission in helping others. We think you'll love them too. You can visit thrivecosmetics.com selfie for 15% off your first order. This is an exclusive offer you can only get from us. That's Thrive, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash selfie for 15% off your first order. If you didn't catch that, you can find the link in our Facebook community, on Instagram, or in our show notes. All right, well, it is time to talk with BJ Hickman, our resident therapist. Hey, BJ. Hi, Kristen. Well, this is a topic that I think is (laughs) resonant for both of us, which Mm -hmm. is how do you avoid burnout when you're passionate about a professional, a profession that is high burnout? So how do you not burn out in a job that's prone to burnout? 
Yeah, this person was a special education teacher, I believe, and mm-hmm. a couple of other people, a social worker chimed in, and mm-hmm. we've, we're chiming in. Yeah. Um, I know for myself, I love my work so much, and I, I left my last career working in addiction treatment because of burnout. Mm-hmm. I just could not maintain compassion anymore for the process. And that had little to do with the clients and more to do with the system in which they were treated. Um, but my practice is now six years, six and a half years old. And not until the pandemic did I experience any level of burnout whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And twice I had two experiences where I was bordering on the edge of really not being okay around it, that it was just taking a toll. And in both situations, I had the opportunity to go away. Um, One of them, I got to go away alone. And the second time I went away with my family, but both times we went into, I went into spaces where I had nature at my disposal, where Mm -hmm. um, I had connection when I was ready for it. I needed to do some friend connecting as part of my self-care around it. I also needed total alone time as part of my self-care around it. Um, But the thing that was truly the most powerful, powerful element in both situations was being in nature, Mm -hmm. getting out in a space where there was no artificial noise for the most part, where all I'm hearing are animals and birds and the wind and, just nature sounds, but you know, we talk about grounding exercises and the reason we call it that is because people who, who resided in this land long before we did knew the power of grounding. They knew the power of the earth and standing in the dirt, standing in the grass, feeling it under the soles of our feet is the way we get centered And we don't practice those things enough. Mm -hmm. We can do that even on our hardwood floor, but standing in the grass, the gravity of the earth pulls you into your body and has a literal physical and emotional effect on your well-being. Yeah. And those are practices we're not good at keeping up, especially for those of us who live in urban and suburban areas, because we have so much noise pollution Mm -hmm. that we're exposed to all the time. And we really need a, a brief, a, a, a break from that. We need relief from it. Um, so I can't say enough about using a tool like that. I think burnout is, burnout is that feeling that you become very detached from your abil- ability to care. Mm-hmm. To be honest, your compassion withers for yourself and for others. We often find ourselves in burnout, especially in a job like this, where the job is something, it's our passion. We don't realize the microaggressions against ourselves Mm. and against our needs that we perform. I think we love our clients so much. We love our work so much. We say yes to everything. And I know for myself, I make myself as a coach which is my approach to the the therapeutic work that I do with my clients. I'm much more accessible to them than a traditional therapist is. I, they can text me anytime. Um, I give them, I will, I will do check-in calls if they're in the midst of a crisis. Um, They're usually 10 to 15 minutes long with the caveat that it's up to my discretion. Am I available to make myself available after hours? 
and or even during the day if it's on a day when I'm seeing clients. And what I found in burnout was I had to reel that in. I didn't have the bandwidth to give anything beyond my weekly sessions with my clients. Mm-hmm. But my clients are were so understanding of it. And I didn't have any any pushback on it whatsoever. So I literally didn't respond a lot. Um, didn't even make excuses for not responding. Um, just didn't. And didn't engage as much as I typically would have, because I realized I was having to abandon my own self-care in order to keep up with that. Also, I took on a lot of new clients and maxed my book out and really couldn't. I was having to adjust to having so many clients as well. So what I found was even the things that typically fed my soul and fed my energy, like my grandchildren, being with my family, talking with friends, I had to even reel in those things because they were no longer having a positive impact on me the way they would organically in the past. I had to stop, take time away, really quadruple down on my self-care, on alone time, on resting, on doing things that fed my soul, um, or even just checking out at times. Sometimes I just needed to check out and numb out and watch some good TV and be done with it. But I had to do all of those things on an extended basis and on a grander scale than I typically would in order to enjoy my family and enjoy connecting with friends and to be able to provide for my clients what I, the compassion and care that I, um, I typically and normally do. And that was how I worked through it was recognizing how often I justified things that ended up taking a toll on me mm-hmm. because I'd always been able, they'd always been the things that fed me before. Yes. We have to be really fine tuned to what's causing that feeling. And if we don't practice self-compassion and have a good understanding of what our value is, we will just keep choosing other people and abandoning ourselves to it over and over again because it's a worthy cause. Yeah. And yeah. then the very people that we want to serve and are paid to serve, we will find ourselves losing tolerance for the challenges of their experiences um, and finding being in touch with the wisdom that we need to share and the resources that we need to provide for them because we're just not, we're, we're pouring from an empty cup. Yeah, absolutely. And I think anybody who is in a high burnout job and you likely know if you are, but you know, if you are a teacher, if you are a therapist, if you are a healthcare worker, you know, I think just recognizing that and then having a lot of boundaries because you're in that kind of a job. So, you know, for me, what that has looked like is as I've gone back into private practice, like I'm not going to volunteer at school. Right. I'm, and, and I used to, and that's, and that's Mm -hmm. fine. Um, and there are, People who can volunteer at school because they are, you know, they are not working at the moment or what have you. But like, I'm not going to volunteer at school. Um, I am going to give myself permission in between clients to really zone out. Um, like, I just, I have to change the expectations I have of myself and really, yes. really put a lot of self-care into my day um, in between and in those margin hours rather than what I used to do, which is 
fill it. Like, okay, well, I have an hour break here. And so I'm going to run this errand or I'm going to go do this thing. Like, no, I'm actually going to do nothing. Nothing. That's it. That's exactly what I've had to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the other thing that has been helpful for me too is really delineating between work and leisure time. And I mean, I can remember um, in grad school, a therapist telling us or a a professor telling us that when a client would leave the room, he would do a motion of like clearing the air. Now, this is not anything insulting to the client. It's just like, I'm moving the energy and, and just doing the motion signal to him, I'm done with that. And now I'm, you know, I'm moving back into myself. But just, you know, whether that looks like a meditation on the drive home, or Mm -hmm. if you work from home, you know, some kind of a practice of like, turning a different light on or going into a different room, um, just so that your work and your leisure life are not blending into each other. I love that. Our friend Elise Snipes talked about this during the pandemic and she started a ritual of ending her work day because she was only going from that room to the next room uh-huh. instead of getting in her car and yeah. driving home. And so she created a transition time and that inspired me. And I started doing a sage burning or a, a saging in my office at the end of every day as a way of ending out my day and clearing the energy and stepping out of my work role Mm -hmm. into my life role. Yeah. And it can be something so simple. It could be Mm -hmm. a candle. It could be a lamp. It could be, okay, I I won't, I won't be in this room now. I'll go to the living room. Um, but just like some kind of a, a ritual is really helpful. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.